welcome to the Seismic Spotlight podcast. I'm Amy Bourbeau, co-founder of sustainability consultancy Seismic and a passionate B Corp expert. Our Seismic Spotlight series aims to shine a light on the people and businesses working to be an increasingly impactful force for good. This series is all about B Corps, a movement that is close to my heart and the gold standard certification for responsible business. We hope it inspires others to join the B Corp movement and make a seismic difference. Today, I'm speaking with Charmian Love, activist in residence at B-Lab UK, the nonprofit behind the B Corp movement. Certified B Corps are businesses that balance purpose and profit. And to set the scene, I have a few numbers for you that demonstrate the global nature and scale of B Corp. Across 153 industries in 77 countries, there are over 4,000 certified B Corps, and over 600 of those are here in the UK. These are all businesses who are working to be a force for good. Char is a really fantastic advocate for B Corp and has played a pivotal role in the establishment and growth of the UK B Corp movement. And her energy and passion for B Corp and radical change can inspire us all. We cover some really great insights in our session, including why radical and rooted activism is so important to drive change, some great examples of activism in business today, and the evolution and growth of the B Corp movement in the UK and hopes for its future. I hope you enjoy our seismic spotlight with Charmian Love. Welcome to the Seismic Spotlight podcast, Char. Oh, thanks so much, Amy. It's so nice to be here with you. <laughs> Such a pleasure to have you here. Really happy to be sitting down, yeah, to be able to pick your brain. So one of the questions that we always ask people at the start of this is, how did you come to find out about B Corp? And uh, what was your journey to here? And obviously, you're incredibly unique because normally we're speaking to kind of leaders of businesses who are certified or about to certify uh, and and you are uh, unique in that you you've really been a massive leader in in the development of B Corp and uh, B Lab UK and getting to where it is today. So you've it's been on your radar for a very long time, longer than most. Can you tell us about how you first heard about B Corp and what made you want to get involved and really drive the drive the movement. Well, thank you, Amy. And um, before jumping into that question, I just need to make sure that everybody here who's listening actually understands um, your role in being part <laughs> of the growth of the B Corp movement here in the UK, because I actually have a couple of really, really quite clear, crystal clear memories when we were getting things all going. And we had this period where we were trying to onboard and get a lot of organizations ready for this launch date that we had set in September of 2015. And uh, I remember you and I had so many calls and uh, you were sort of such a really important source of energy and lift and support to a lot of the, uh, the businesses. So I just want to say a giant thank you to you <laughs> for being such an important part of the, the B Corp story here in the UK. And it's really great to hear that you're you're doing this great work at Seismic. Um, thank you. Now, if I was to go way back and actually think about when I first heard about B Corp, Volans, which is the company you mentioned um, that was co-founded by John and, and Pamela and myself back in 2008, was actually um, based on this book that John and Pamela had been had written uh, called The Power of Unreasonable People. And it was this exploration of how social entrepreneurs can sort of have the power to change the world. And that book was really quite critical and sort of like our was our early sort of manifesto at Volans because we thought there was something really special in this the time earlier movement around social entrepreneurship and how it was intersecting with business strategy, sustainability, 
innovation and systems change. Um, so, so our whole purpose at Volans in those early days was really about sort of exploring those sort of intersectional spaces. And so the B Corp movement came very quickly actually on our radar uh, when we were looking at who was doing interesting things in, in the social entrepreneurship space. Um, so we were tracking uh, what was happening in, in sort of the early days of B Lab and how it was getting going in the US and Canada. And then we, we decided we wanted to be a part of that. We were a for-profit business and we thought we really wanted to be connected into this movement um, of other businesses that saw that you could be both and you could both be for profit profit and be focused on solving problems and having impact because that was the sort of ethos of what we were doing at Volans. So, um, you know, to fast forward through a period of, of going through the certification as one of the first companies here in the UK, and I have some very particular memories of it because um, we actually went through the final stages of certifying Volans while I was actually on maternity leave with my second son. And so I actually know exactly how high the, the B-Lab movement is here in the UK in, in terms of my experience with it and, and from working at Volans. And it's sort of about here because Peter's now... Um, uh, eight, <laughs> almost nine years old, and uh, and and I just so we we went through that process, um, and and that was sort of I, I realized while certifying the business, going through the questionnaires, having these extraordinary phone calls with, you know, the people on the global team and on the standards team, it it just sort of was it was so awesome and it was so what was needed um, that that it became something that was less just about Volant certifying, but almost how could we work with other businesses to really get this to take off here in the UK. Um, and that is when I sort of kind of seconded myself out of my CEO role uh, when I came back from maternity leave and, and decided to invest a lot of my energy and time to working along with James Perry and another group of people, yourself included, Amy, um, to, to sort of really find a way to harness the energy and the potential of what the B Corp movement could look like in the UK. Um, and, and we sort of put this date in the diary of September 2015, and we sort of hustled <laughs> pretty hard to get our founding group of UK B Corps ready. And, and that really was the, the start. That was how we came to it at Bolands. And that's also a little bit about my own journey of being finding just so much energy and excitement and hope um, in this movement of people who are using business as a force for good that I felt that that was what I was put on the planet to some extent to, to help support in, in those early days in the UK. And you've done such an amazing job with it. And I think the energy piece is so key because you're just a constant kind of source of positive radiating energy, really just encouraging companies to get involved, but also to kind of feel it and to live it and breathe it and celebrate it, I think, which is really, which is really wonderful. And I think that's something that's very unique about the B Corp movement is that it's not just the certification. It's not just a badge. It is really a community. And and I think in the UK, we're really lucky that it's such a, a vibrant and closely connected community and active community. And a lot of that has to do with the way that, you know, the, the foundations that, that you and James and the, the team have laid. So thank you for that. Well, thank you. But I would say you, you use the word I in there and, and it's not it's not an I, um, it is a we when it comes to community yeah. and collective action. And when we use the word energy, it, it, it isn't about an individual 
it actually is about the interdependencies. And that's a word that's so important in this movement. It's it's how we are all interdependent with one another. So I, I would say it certainly is wonderful to talk about um, my own journey and my experience, <laughs> but this movement is absolutely a reflection of a giant we <laughs> that came together. Yeah. And that energy piece is so, is so critical. And I'm so glad you brought that up. There's a great quote that actually one of our B Corps, um, you know them well, Amy, uh, Toast Ale uses. And I think it just sort of sums up the approach. And, and that quote is, um, if you're going to change the world, you better throw a better party than the people that are destroying it. And uh, and I feel like within the B Corp movement, we do incredibly serious and important work. Don't get me wrong. Like the stuff we are doing is critical and is important and requires sort of a very sort of serious approach in terms of how we address these systemic challenges. But in the spirit of both and, it's the and we need to make sure it's something that's fun, that people feel like they are bringing their joy, their best selves to, they're, they're dancing uh, through this change um, rather than always feeling like they're fighting through it. I, I personally believe that that unlocks the sort of best within all of us. So mm-hmm. that framing around having fun and energy whilst at the same time holding the importance, the seriousness, the urgency of business to take action is something that I think this movement does pretty well. Completely. And, uh, you know, and I think it speaks to part of the ethos of the B Corp movement in general, which is it doesn't have to be one or the other. You know, it doesn't have to be profit or purpose. And same with this, you know, it doesn't have to be this is incredibly serious and and it's a chore. It, it should be something that's incredibly serious and important, but also enjoyable. And that's surely the way to get more people involved is to is to make it something that's a pleasure to be a part of rather than feels like homework to do. Exactly. There's a great line that one of the co founders of B-Lab in the US had, and, and it was sort of in one of his TED Talks, and it's Jay, and he had this line, it's like, we as humans, we can we can walk and chew gum at the same time. And I love that. Like, it, it actually, we as humans, we have this incredible capacity to do two things simultaneously. Like, we can walk and we can chew gum, which means we can also do a whole lot of other things um, simultaneously. Like, we can hold the urgency to act with the hopefulness. We can dance <laughs> while being quite like serious about the issues we're facing. And, you know, I have like this metaphor I love, which is heliotropy. And this is this concept that plants grow in the direction of the sun. And so we see, imagine these fields of sunflowers and that as the sun crosses the sky, you know, the sunflowers follow it. Um, And that, that we as humans are not that different than our cousins in the flora community, that we will grow taller and stronger and faster if we are motivated by light and warmth and positivity. And that, that's sort of the spirit of the bee. Um, But at the same time, again, sunflowers don't just float up into the clouds. Um, Sunflowers are rooted to the ground in which they grow from. And I recently learned the origin of the word radical, which let's be honest, we're throwing around all over the place, right? Radical action, radical collaboration, radical, radical. The origin of that word is actually rooted. And I love that because Mm. it means what we can be is we can be sunflowers, grow towards the sun and be radical in that we become we we stay rooted to what the science is telling us we need to do from a climate perspective. We're rooted to our communities, um, to our families, to the people we care about. We're rooted to principles of of justice. So, again, it's a, a reflection of that both and walk and chew gum, grow towards the sun while being grounded 
having a, a business that's able to manage to create profit whilst also having a purpose. There's so many of those both ands that I think are, are, are real signatures of this movement. Yeah, I love that. And the BIA, I think, is a great tool to help companies to stay grounded because there's so many different projects you could get involved with and directions you could go in. And it's it's hard to kind of prioritize sometimes. And I think that having a tool like the BIA is a great, you know, that provides the practical element as well as the wonderful movement that we've been talking about. Also the like, okay, what is the actual action? What are we here to literally do and implement in our businesses? And that helps to bring it down to the like, okay, here's what we should have in place and here's the action that we can take. And I think that's the, yeah, the kind of great balance of it. Oh, I love, I love that. I'm actually going to make a note. I got to email Dan Osuski, the head of standards, because I hadn't thought about it that way. But I think you're, you're absolutely right. That's sort of part of the both and the standards is what yeah. makes sure we, we stay absolutely grounded. Thank you. That's a real gift, Amy. I like that. Oh, my pleasure. <laughs> absolutely. So, you know, we've kind of spoken about the energy and everything behind it, but how have you seen the movement evolve? What have been some of the kind of key evolutions that you've noticed? Well, I, I probably can speak best for the UK community. So I, if I can just put a little bit of a frame around that, I, I don't want to pretend to be able to speak to what's happening in other global regions. Um, I would I would encourage uh, maybe for them, some of them to come on a podcast and share what's been happening in, you know, Sistema Bay in Latin America, because uh, I'm sure that they've seen some extraordinary things, um, as well as our colleagues in Africa and Asia. Uh, but from a UK perspective, um, I think one of the things I would note is that in the last couple of years, we have seen a real surge in demand. Um, so we are seeing more and more companies wanting to join and be a part of this movement. Um, and I'll say particularly, I think in the last sort of two years, um, I, I wonder if um, a, a lot of people in business have um, have almost experience this pandemic and really mm. had it, it really uh, understood at a new level that we are interdependent. I mean, let's be honest, this experience we've all gone through, it has shown us we all breathe the same air on this planet. We are, we are interdependent. And, and I wonder if that's really provoked some deep thinking about where and how different people in business want to use their business going forward. I also think the climate emergency is, is so clear upon us. It's not something that's coming down the road. There are so many people today that are suffering greatly. And, and we see these weather events all around us. So I think this sort of confluence of the, the pandemic and the climate emergency and, you know, the huge challenges we are all needing to really understand much more deeply around justice and equity. And, and we not just understand, but do something about um, these things are all coming together and I think are really profoundly shaping what the role of business is and its contract in terms of how it can operate. So I, I, all those forces that are happening around us right now, I think, are the things that are really um, in, increasing the demand and interest in, in the B Corp movement. Um, when we launched in 2015 with, I think it was 62 or 63 founding UK B Corps, um, it's funny on my poster board that's right behind it. I've got like the invitation to that party that oh. we had the Camden Lock, and, and I'm just all of a sudden remembering that party and the dancing and the music mm -hmm. and the speeches. <laughs> um, but you know, I think that founding community was really sort of some incredibly solid bedrock. Um, it included incredible businesses that were here in the UK, um, and I, I think there were some tech companies like um, Patience Knows Best. There were sort of some 
product companies like Elvis and Cressy. And then we had some investors like Bridges Ventures. And it, we just had this really interesting, like diverse community, even from within that early sort of 60 companies, 60 plus companies from when we started, it, it represented a range of different um, industries and sectors. And I'd say in the last eight years, um, it's one of the things we continually try to do mm-hmm. is make sure that the movement itself is reflective of the UK economy. And that's at a sort of sectoral level and industry level. I think also looking at the size of companies, um, you know, one of the things we could talk a little bit about is sort of how um, the movement itself has grown from being more than just about small to medium sized enterprises when you start getting companies like Natura and Danone being a part of this movement. So we've seen sort of the sizes grow. Um, but I'd say one of the things that we sort of continually look to focus on in the UK is also making sure um, we have representation in different regions. Yeah. Um, so so really making sure it's not just, you know, a, a heavy center around some of the urban, um, you know, key access points in the UK, but ha- how do we make sure that we really have a representation from um, a range of different communities, different regions, and different, you know, founding teams. Um, so yes, I think there's, we we have seen a lot of growth. We started with a strong foundation, and I continue to think that there's lots of areas that we can continue to expand in so that we we can be representative of the, the UK business space. Absolutely. I think that that diversity of voice, industry, size, location, individuals represented is is so important. And I guess just to zoom out a bit, can you speak to why it's so important for business to take action and to be a force for good and what the opportunities and responsibilities that businesses have in that area? It's such a good question, Amy. I, I would actually start by answering it just to say that sometimes when we use this sort of reference of force for good, um, we, we, we say business as a force for good, but we, we forget that actually the original sort of framing, or at least the framing that I remember and I hold is a little bit longer and it has in front of it, it's that it's about people using business as a force for good. And I think we just need to remember that actually businesses themselves are, you know, not really a thing. What they are, are people coming together to do something. And so actually, when we talk about what the force for good is, it's the people within the organizations um, that that are coming together. And I'll, I'll link that to the answer to your question, which is, um, you know, what 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 role does business have? And let's be honest, business has contributed extraordinarily to the challenges that are facing our world today. You know, we can talk about the amount of carbon emissions that have been um, emitted by by businesses. On the other side, you know, it's again a story of the both end. And businesses have created ways for people to come out of poverty to find livelihoods. They've enabled vaccines to be created quickly in partnership with other institutions when faced with crises. So it's the both and of, you know, both they've been part of the problem and they have been part of solutions that have helped us all sort of develop. I shouldn't say all, it's helped some people (laughs) develop in the world. Let's just be honest. And I think we are at a stage right now where we need business to step in and focus more on solving the problems that they have created and and that have been created around them rather than adding or contributing to them. And I actually truly believe, kind of coming back to this idea of people, that people are good and people want to solve problems and people will be motivated by that sunshine, like the sunflowers. What we need to do is make sure that businesses have the rules of the game, the culture, the incentives and the motivations to harness and unlock the ingenuity, the innovation, and the creativity of the people within them 
and in order to focus on solving these extraordinary challenges that are facing us around the planet today. So again, I, I think people in business um, are absolutely a key part of what we need to see if we're truly and meaningfully going to address these interconnected emergencies that are are facing us today. Such an important point on the people and actually to, you know, your what you were raising before around the realization that companies have had potentially through the, the you know, the COVID pandemic and the climate crisis and the increasing awareness of complete lack of equality. I think what you're saying is, or you know, what you were pointing to there and saying here is just a recognition of of businesses being made up of people and actually businesses realizing we need all of these humans who make us run and who we serve and who serve us. And yeah, that, that realization hopefully is something that is, you know, of like you say, we all share the same air and we all need each other in, in one way or another is is hopefully something that businesses increasingly are becoming more aware of and realize that it's not something that they can kind of ignore and actually need to embrace and listen to each other and support each other and kind of recognize each other and our responsibilities to our fellow individuals. Yes. And, and, and I'd just like to build on that, if I may, Amy, because I think um, I also think businesses, you know, they're not they don't have to do this alone. Um, and you're sort of mm-hmm. saying this, right? Th- this this is too much for one organization to solve. The problems facing our planet are interconnected. It's like systems challenge. That's what, the, you know, the activists are calling for in the streets. Right. We want systems change, not climate change. Mm-hmm. I think businesses should also feel that that they're not alone and they they can work with others and i think collaboration um and collective action is going to be a signature for how businesses have to operate and i think that's going to be one of the things that we'll see change increasingly change i should say there's many in the b corp movement that are already there um they are engaging with sometimes their competitors you know creating Mm -hmm. ways to share what they're learning and and learning from one another knowing that actually the challenge and solving these challenges we're facing is way more important than necessarily what and how their individual business is engaging. So again, it's a bit of a both and because obviously a business can um, have a role and find its role and it, it can work in concert and in harmony and go further and faster when when working together with others. And and I get really excited when I see some of the really quite radical, and I'll say radical, <laughs> rooted to the problem, radical collaboration that is happening out there um, between competitors um, with young with young people, you know, businesses um, inviting young people to be a part of strategic conversations and join boards and advisory boards. You know, the sense of intergenerational collaboration, I think, is really key. Um, I'm really interested in where businesses and movements and activists sort of inter- interconnect with one another. So yeah, I just wanted to pick up that point because I think you made it and, and it's really quite critical of where things are going to go next is, I think, really really radical level of collaboration so that businesses don't feel it's all on them as an individual organization or the people in those businesses don't feel it's all on them. It's it's how do we build those new muscles around how to create really meaningful radical collaboration to to address these challenges. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a it's a we, not a me or an us or 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 a them kind of thing. So you've mentioned obviously 
radical and you mentioned kind of the change that activists are looking to see happen and that brings us to your role so you've you've transitioned into this really cool role of activist in residence at b-lab uh can you tell us i i haven't heard that title before it's it's incredibly uh intriguing can you tell us a bit about what that means and what you're doing and why activism in business is important Yes. Well, I'm pretty fired up by this role. And I just have to say a giant thank you to the wonderful team at BeatLab UK. Because when I stepped down as chair, I really did want to stay connected to this movement. And I've increasingly been feeling kind of we all need to aim higher and dig deeper and move faster and, and work much more together, like as a movement of movements, as collectives, as, as collaborative um, partners. And so this role was kind of creative for me. And I, I'm really digging it, actually. It's, it's really fun. It's very challenging. Um, I think there's sort of, there's toward two lines that are quite important in the work. And, and we are still sort of defining what this role looks like and, and the scope of it as we go. But one of them is based on this idea that actually businesses and B Corps are leading, but there's many different forms of leadership. Um, and I think we're seeing some businesses emerge in the sort of activist space. Um, and, and what's really important to that is this line that is, is held or we, that is, that you have to try and hold which is where it's about your business being a tool for the activism, not the activism as a tool for your business. And so we're exploring a range of businesses that are, are trying to be in service to activists and movements and, and what that looks like in practice with the sense that that hypothesis that that is a growing form of leadership um, that, that you know, some B Corps and, and some non-B Corps are, are really kind of leaning into and, and exploring. And we kind of want to track that and, and explore it and, and make sure we're understanding it and finding ways where possible and appropriate to support it. The other thing that I think has really kind of stood out from the conversations I've had with some of the businesses in this space is this line that they are actually very much guided by what is needed and like what the science is telling us is needed, what our hearts tell us is needed when it comes to equity and justice. And that's critical because what they're not limited by is this concept of possible. Like possible has become a bit of a trigger word for me. So when I hear people saying, well, this seems possible, it's like, well, is it what's needed though? Because if it's not what's needed, then it's probably not good enough actually. And I'm increasingly finding my own sort of discipline to be focusing on the people and the organizations and and the places where people are, are again, moved by what is needed, not limited by what, what feels possible. But I can talk more about sort of some of the stories that I've been picking up. But I think in general, the activist in residence role is, is again, recognizing we all need to dig deeper, aim higher, move faster and work together, recognizing that businesses can be a tool for activism, not the other way around, and really being clear on on being moved by what is needed rather than limited by what is possible. Love that. Absolutely. And, you know, as you've been saying, if there's anything that we've learned, it's that actually there's a lot more that is possible than we than we might initially realize. So uh, you're right, lifting the lid on that and making, you know, kind of removing any barriers and finding out what else is possible is is key. Um, but yeah, I would love to hear some examples of inspirational stories out there. That would be great. Yeah. Well, and, and I, I recently did a, a TEDx talk and, and um, it was really fun because actually in doing that, I, I kind of went and explored a whole bunch of stories so that I could I could share them, actually. Um, and so some of them that really stood out for me were, for example, the story of Akoja, uh, which is a B Corp. And, and what they do is they pay the legal fees for their employees that are incarcerated due to nonviolent civil disobedience. 
that's pretty mega. And and Finisterre, you know, a, another sort of you know UK. It is a it's a, a UK B Corp. When the G seven meeting was happening in Cornwall, right around the corner from where the Finisterre office was, they decided to organize what they called the C seven. And as part of that, I actually have it right next to me here because I keep it on my desk. They organized um, an ocean activist training camp. Um, as a way of, you know, using their power and their organization and their relationships with, you know, customers and workers to sort of help them understand how to become an ocean activist. And this is really important to me because actually um, there's some great research by a woman named Erica Chenworth. Um, and what she did is she looked at movements and um, protests over the last sort of century and looked at many, many different, different forms of activism, violent and nonviolent civil disobedience. And what she, her research showed was that if you can get three and a half percent of a population engaged in nonviolent civil disobedience, and, you know, you can think about stories like the suffragettes and some of the social justice movements in the past, there has never been a time in history when if you get three and a half percent of the population, the government has been able to withstand that level of public pressure. And to me, that's really important, right? So if you can get three and a half percent of the population saying, this stuff matters to us, we care about this, and we want to change, then that is a really, really powerful tool to drive that change to happen. If, if again, we look into history and see what has led to sort of these seismic, if I may, um, changes of the past. <laughs> so I'm, I'm fascinated in that. And that's why, you know, companies like Ecosia and Finisterre that are getting their people, like finding ways to get people mm. to be part of movements is, is super interesting to me. And I think a really interesting change strategy. Now there's other ways that businesses are becoming activists. Um, you know, Patagonia goes without saying, you know, calls itself sort of an activist company, but they, you know, fund bold direct action organizations that are going after the root cause of the environmental crisis. So, you know, the grassroots organizations, they they find ways to really actively support them. Patagonia also has, you know, takes a stand on issues that they don't agree with and they go very public with it. So we saw recently them pulling their products from a Jackson Hole resort when they caught wind that that resort had actually hosted a right-wing conference or event. Um, and they also have boycotted, you know, Facebook uh, and are encouraging other companies to do so as well. So, you know, that's another way that a company can be an activist is really being firm and taking a stand, supporting grassroots organizations. And then there's organizations that are willing to really work with others, join forces with really ambitious challenges and change that they want to see happen. And, um, you know, I think we can see that in terms of, for example, some of the rules of the game we know need to be changed. Mm. Um, there's some businesses that are, really recognizing the importance of challenging, for example, current accounting practices. And, and those, I think that's a form of activism as well. It, it, it's not necessarily the same as Ecosia, but it's really pushing at sort of some of the system level changes that we know are needed. Maybe the last one I'll just also include because uh, we just did a, a, a an activation with them and it was part of our Boardroom 2030 project. And that's the body shop. And the body shop was willing to hold a sort of public meeting about what would be the sorts of topics that they would imagine will be discussed in their board in 2030. Mm. And what was really super cool about this is that they invited young people to be those board members. So we had a combination of, of young people from working within the body shop right now, as well as some people from outside the, the body shop, people that worked in other B Corps. Um, we had uh, Celeste from Coots. Um, we had uh, Jessica and Kaya from Oxford. 
and we had uh, Clover Hogan from Force of Nature, um, along with these incredible people within the body shop, Gavin, Tony, and Anais. And, and it just was such a fabulous conversation. So I think that's also a form of, of being an activism is to welcome in voices of, of young people, um, but people that might have very strong and different views. And actually we witnessed that. Um, and there was this one moment where um, one of the youth board members was really, you know, being quite challenging. And it was, it was great because actually we saw the body shop was sort of saying, well, and I'm paraphrasing, this is not what they actually said, but like there was almost this sense of, well, you know, usually if we heard something like this, we might get a bit defensive, but actually we're, we're going to lean into this feeling of being uncomfortable because actually that's where some of that challenge is going to become really important for us to then, yeah. especially as this is our, you know, our future customers. So that's a form of activism too, I think, which is finding ways to bring in voices and not just like listen to them, but like meaningfully listen to them and resist the temptation to get defensive and instead hold the uncomfortableness and think about what, what you're going to do about it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I think just, you know, the thing that underpins a lot of this is just not going along with the status quo, basically, and recognizing actually things don't have to be done in the way that they've always been done. And businesses as a collective of individuals have a uh, a power to educate, influence, and to shift the needle on some of the status quo. And I, I love what you're saying around businesses being the tool for activism rather than activism being a tool for businesses. I think that's a really important distinction and probably something that's useful for businesses who are interested in getting involved in a kind of more activism point of view, a, a good lens for them to maybe hold themselves accountable and make sure they're being genuine in their actions and are kind of getting involved in the right way, it seems like. So as we said, kind of mentioned before, it can be quite uh, overwhelming for businesses uh, sometimes to know, you know, with all the best intentions, how to start, where to begin. What advice would you give to businesses, both from a kind of if they're interested in being a bit more activist, uh, but also if they're interested in starting on their B Corp journey, what kind of advice would you dish out to them? Um, well, I would, it depends on who you are and what moves you. Um, and I think there'd probably be two different tracks I would encourage based on if you're sort of interested in activism or if you're interested in, in, in B-Lab. It's a both and, of course. Um, for, for the B Corp journey, if, if I may start there, I think, you know, the first thing to do is, is to log on to the BIA. I mean, you've already mentioned it here, Amy, the, you know, the B Impact Assessment. I mean, it's a free online confidential tool. I'll be honest. When I mentioned my journey into this movement, um, having heard a lot about the B Corp, the step that made it real for me was going online. And actually, I remember so clearly, I mean, and this is like clearly as, you know, 2011 really is when it's, you know, <laughs> a lot of years later, um, was, you know, started going through the assessment. And, and I was like, oh, wait, our company doesn't have an employee handbook. But that's really important. And we should. And oh, wait, you mean, like, I can just write it based on like all the best practices that are out there oh, how cool is that? So it made us a stronger business and it helped give me a lot of ton of ideas. And it, that's what started us on our journey. So I, I would encourage anyone who's interested in the B Corp movement just to sort of log on and start just going through the questions and seeing and flagging, you know, here's something that we don't do, but maybe we should do. And actually let's figure out how do we get that going? Or um, here's something that looks like a really best practice. Like how do we step up our game so that we can engage at that level? And I think once you start getting into that spirit, like you'll 
you know, you'll get excited about the ideas, you know, the connections you can build. So I think that's really important. I'd also say like, you know, we're slowly emerging from two years of not having much face-to-face time. Um, but we, we, there are be socials and there's um, events, both virtual and non-virtual, where, where you can learn a little bit more about both the B Corp community and others that are within it. And again, that speaks to this whole idea of, you know, we, how do we find ways for the community to be strong is, is by connecting to one another and, you know, for people to make friends and, mm. you know, feel like they're part of something bigger. So, you know, way, ways in which you can kind of get to know the community, I think will also give you a lot of spirit and fire and energy for um, the journey ahead of, of going through the certification process. And it might be a long journey, you know, it's, um, uh, it's something where, you know, y- y- you want to do it well and leadership requires, being part of a leadership community requires really being leader. And so you might not get there, you know, the first time around, but don't give up, just keep on finding ways to improve. And and again, find the ways in which you can kind of connect with the communities in ways that are helpful for you on, on that journey. When it comes to the activism space, I mean, and, and the reason why I want to separate those two is because it, you don't have to be a B Corp to be an activist business. <laughs> um, and I think there are quite a few people that are within the B Corp movement that are engaging in activism, but but there's also people outside of it. And so whether you're a B Corp or you're not a B Corp, you know, the ways in which you can get your organization engaging in activism, I think starts really simply at, at the very sort of company level of, you know, get some people around in your team and talk to them about some of the issues that you're feeling called to engage on, you know, whether that's a team lunch or a brown bag or something like just just find out if other people feel the same way you do. Building a bit of support within your organization, I think is really critical. Go up to whatever level within your business, maybe you're at the top. And so you can make those calls. And maybe you're a new joiner, and you need to find your ways of, you know, communicating how strongly you feel about something to the people that are at the top. That's cool. But like figure out what your system is of of identifying what are the issues you care about and then how you want to speak out. I really quite moved by sort of some of the language that Extinction Rebellion has used. You know, their first thing is like, you know, tell the truth. Mm -hmm. And actually, if we can be really honest and tell the truth of like what the problems are, then we have a platform to think about ways in which we can we can solve those problems. But that's a really important first step is to tell the truth and find people that are willing to come around the table and and talk about it with you. I think one thing that I've seen some businesses do that it's kind of interesting is actually invite some activists to come into their organization to challenge them. And it will be challenging and it will be uncomfortable, but kind of like, you know, modeling what the body shop did instead of sort of bristling and kind of being defensive like lean into it and and sort of try and understand, you know, what's coming and and if there are ways that your organization can again move faster, support those movements, support the people within your organization to engage in those movements. So yeah, I, I think hope that's helpful, Amy. But I think it's yeah, be bold, bring up the things that matter to you in every meeting you're in. Find others within your organization that can join you on this journey. Identify the changes you want to see and who has the power to make those changes happen. Yeah, tell the truth and take action. So simple and so powerful, just telling the truth. Let's get down to, you know, the, the root of it um, and and identify what is the real truth, what is the real need, what is the real kind of desire and what are our abilities and thinking about that ability piece, you know, the reminder of looking beyond what we might originally think is we're able to do or is possible and and kind of having people to challenge you, as you say, and, and expand your ideas with that is so powerful. So Speaking of movements, 
To bring it back to B Corp and as we kind of start wrapping up here, you know, you've seen the trajectory of B Corp so far. What are your kind of hopes or or kind of what do you think is on the horizon for B Corp and the B Corp movement in, in the UK? Where do you think it's heading? Well, I, I just want to give a giant shout out to the B Lab UK team who are the superstars and total mm-hmm. rock stars. Our team has grown significantly since we we went into lockdown and and that's sort of a real testament to what's happening in the wider world and the demand for the B Corp movement. Um, and it's also a testament to the leadership um, at B Lab UK. And I think, you know, what we're seeing is the team growing and the ambition of what we can engage in growing along with it. So the community of B Corps are absolutely core. They're the ones who are modeling that a new system is possible. They're like the proof that you can walk and chew gum at the same time, that you mm-hmm. can be both profitable and have a deeply embedded purpose. Um, and and the community that works together to drive really radical levels of collaboration and solutions in the different working groups we have. And I, I think the horizon where increasingly the leadership of B-Lab UK wants to take the organization, and I think that's a combination of the B-Lab UK team and the board, um, and I will just also give a shout out to the amazing B-Lab UK board, now chaired by Dr. Mary Johnson-Louis um, from Oxford, who you should totally have on one of these podcasts coming up, I'll <laughs> just say, um, but is a focus on systems change. You know, that is what the pe- the activists are chanting for. You know, we, we mm-hmm. want systems change, not climate change. But what does systems change look like? Well, the strategy... Um, that Chris Turner, the executive director of B-Lab UK, has been working on with the team is just the sense of there's two elements of systems change. There's regulatory change and there's culture change. And on the regulatory change front, we've got the Better Business Act, which um, is is really quite critical. And, and I'd say for people to tune in if they want to see what B-Lab UK is doing to try and change the rules of the game, which is essentially to change Section 172 of our you know, company law here in the UK and make it absolutely mandatory for all businesses to have the legal structure that's required to be a B Corp. So let me be clear, it's not about all businesses becoming a B Corp, but all businesses must meet that sort of legal requirement, which is to advance the benefits of both shareholders and stakeholders in terms of the duties of the directors. So that's a key area that I think the B Lab UK organization and I think movement is putting energy behind is, is supporting this Better Business Act because that is going to be a key element of the systemic change we need to see happen. The cultural side one is super interesting. I think we're a little bit earlier on in that, but for me, that's where sort of some of the activism and the engaging with movements comes in, um, as well as working with artists and creative industry. But the best way that I've, I've heard... Um, culture described, actually, there's two lines I like. One of them is culture will eat strategy for breakfast. In other words, you can have the best laid strategy, but actually, if the culture isn't in place, then it's not really going to fly. And linked to that is that um, culture is what people do when nobody is looking. Mm. And so if we are going to see systemic changes, yes, we can change the rules and have new regulation and laws, but actually, how do we make sure people are following them and are moved and motivated to, to, to follow those rules? Um, and I think that's a place that is is going to be a really interesting one to explore. That's sort of like the mesoeconomic level of um, the the web of relationships we have with one another, um, the behaviors we have, um, the links we have with communities, and the links we have to future generations and these issues we're being faced with. Um, so yeah, that's probably a longer answer than you were asking for, but I think systems <laughs> change is on the horizon and it really is about regulatory change and culture change, um, knowing that we are able to do that because we have 
such a strong and vibrant community of certified B Corporations that are showing us it's possible. So a big thank you to all the B Corps out there that have created the space for us to engage at this level now. Absolutely. And here's to the growth of that movement. And I think as that grows, the culture piece will continue. You know, there's just a continued kind of stoking of that fire. And the more businesses who come in, get involved, the more businesses who their kind of culture might evolve and, uh, and and open up to that and and see and kind of get inspiration from the other B Corps in the, in the movement who are doing that so well. So great points. We have one last question, which we always like to end on. If you could pass the B Corp baton on to some company, what would be your dream company to kind of join the B Corp movement? Um, who would you like to nominate to get certified? Well, that's a really tough question, actually. Um, and so may I be a little bit disruptive as an activist in residence? I would expect nothing less. Um, I'm going to answer it if it's okay with join the movement. Um, and I think it's less about them joining us. It's about ways in which we all join together. And I think let's just be honest that there is a level of power there, right? And it's like, are you coming to our movement or are we coming to yours? And actually, I think there's a need for this movement of movements. And so, um, sorry, I'm being radical on two fronts in, in challenging the question of, I don't think it's about a business. I mean, there are a ton of businesses, let's be honest, that I would love to see join our amazing movement. Um, but what I think I'm, I'm interested in is actually how we, as a B Corp movement, join forces with other movements in order to drive the systemic level changes that are, are really required. Mm. Um, and, and what those movements are and how we work together, I think is one of the big things that we will need to work through as part of the systems change strategy. Um, so sorry to disrupt the questioning there, um, Amy, but yeah. I'd, I'd feel funny listing off companies when actually um, my sense is those companies will come and it will they will come when they're the, it's the right time for them and that they feel the right calling to the movement. Um, I'm more interested really in how we are going to work with sort of some of our friends and fellow travelers that are trying to change the system. Absolutely. Wonderful. The, you know, the more, the merrier and uh, it not being an exclusive community, but actually about us all coming together and working towards a shared goal and future. Love it. Very great food for thought. Thank you so much, Char. You've, I feel like I've learned a lot today and I'm sure everyone listening uh, will have as well and hopefully feels inspired to go and create some radical change. Uh, so thank you very much for all your insights and time. Thank you so much, Amy. So yeah, don't forget, be moved, moved by the sunshine, but stay rooted and grounded in the soil that you grow from. Um, and that's what we all need to do, I think, to drive the systems change that's needed. So thank you, Amy. This has been a great conversation. Thanks so much, Char. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Seismic Spotlight podcast. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please download the other episodes in our B Corp series to listen to more inspiring stories from companies working to be the change. If you enjoyed listening to Seismic Spotlight, please subscribe to hear more. It's available on Apple and Google Podcasts and Spotify. Please share the podcast and review us with five stars if you liked it. Seismic is a sustainability consultancy that exists to change society for the better and fix our planet. We believe that business has a pivotal role and responsibility in leading the way to make this happen. Everything we do is about helping businesses to prosper by becoming an increasingly impactful force for good. We urge you to change the way you do business. Your stakeholders, your shareholders, and the planet will thank you.